Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, got some interesting draft tidbits, and we're recording shows uh, uh, quickly as news comes in. But joining me today is Kyle Barber. Uh, Kyle, how you doing, my friend? Doing well. It's been an exciting draft season. Uh, day one started off with quite a bang, and hopefully we see more fireworks here in day two. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the, the Hollywood Brown trade, uh, a remarkable job, I thought, of both sides keeping it quiet. And uh, and being able to harvest a tremendous amount of value uh, for Hollywood. I mean, we wish him the best. Don't get me wrong. We wish him all he wants in a new offense. But that's just an incredible value they got for him 
to get the equivalent of the 28th pick by the JJ chart. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. The the Ravens managed to keep a thousand yard wide receiver trade under wraps in an off season that featured Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, uh, to an extent DK Metcalf. We now see it with Debo Samuel and others that they were able to keep it silence, whereas they couldn't, and they were upset and audibly upset and were signaling that and they already had this trade completed multiple days prior hollywood brown was already out there mm-hmm. in arizona ready to be announced as the draft was proceeding so really impressive job by both the players the agents and the teams on uh keeping this hush hush and and holding it for the value that it was yeah, this is interesting because I wonder why the Ravens wanted to hold it until they did. But the, the only reason I can see is that they were considering drafting a wide receiver with that first pick or they didn't want it perceived that way. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good point about it. I wrote last night saying, were the Ravens considering a wide receiver in the first round? And, mm-hmm. you know, the talent was around that area. Uh, the run on wide receivers went a little bit before them, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they were interested in a target like that. Maybe they weren't. And they just wanted it to stay that way uh, in no, you know, in any fashion. They want to always have the information advantage. That's something that the Ravens really pride themselves on. And yes. having less information on what the Ravens will or will not do always causes it to be just a little bit more challenging in the draft. And they see that as an edge and an opportunity. And that's what they utilized it for. Yeah, the organization from top to bottom is well known for being information hoarders and information uh, guardians. You know, uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're very, very careful about it. I mean, if you, if you ask Harbaugh about injuries, the first time he tries to answer you with, and slip the question, the second time he gets really upset with you. And, and uh, you know, we've seen Jerry Coleman, uh, you know, not to pick on Jerry, he's just doing his job, but he asks a lot of questions about injuries and, and they can tend to be the kind of pointed questions that Harbaugh thinks he's answered that sort of question in the past and, and he doesn't want to do it anymore. So love Jerry, by the way, and, and uh, you know, not trying to say anything bad about him, he's just doing his job. But uh, I think there's a, there's a particularly um, obvious vitriol with, with questions that get into information that Harbaugh has, has, has made clear he's not going to give out in the past. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like I said, and that was a great point by you. They are information hoarders and information guardians. The more that they mm-hmm. can collect without having to release to others is a strategic advantage. It's something that they believe in, and it's worked out, I assume, for them, or else they wouldn't be doing it still. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. It's worked out for them over the years. I don't. I, I think you know. It's it's a it's extremely well run organization from that perspective. It's, uh, they, but they. I, I would say they they guard information about what they're thinking, what they're doing, the way that companies guard their human resource files. I mean, you just don't let people look into them. There's too much <laughs> potential liability from from having that occur. Anyway. Uh, uh, great stuff. Uh, so let's talk about this offseason a little more in terms of some of these other ones. And, you, and I was waiting for the biggest name of all, but it wasn't a wide receiver in terms of a guy who had trade value destroyed, in my opinion, this offseason. That's Baker Mayfield. Yeah, Baker's reputation for some reason has been horribly tarnished. He, I, I, I'm surprised to see him plummet as far down as he has in terms of value. Um, because of character and not because of the the display of from the Browns needing him anymore. Uh, he was a good player for them. He helped lead them to the playoffs. He beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. And that was a really big defining moment, I felt like, for the Cleveland Browns and for 
Baker Mayfield in his career. And for a year later to be tarnished to, we don't know if we can win with him. We want to sign Deshaun Watson and all of the legal issues that come along with him and civil legal issues. And uh, we'll prefer that in a five-year fully guaranteed contract as opposed to sticking with the guy that we won a, a playoff game with last year. Yeah. And and the value I understand is lost because the Browns can't you, you leverage anything about Baker Mayfield. But it felt like his his character took a huge hit on that. And that's something that I felt was a little bit intriguing because, yes, he had a little bit of an immature streak, but he was also a winning quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, which is incredibly challenging. Yeah, I mean, the, Cleveland has, a, you know, now a, a very high quality roster around Mayfield. And so this last year, I thought he probably hurt himself by continuing to play. Uh, he was obviously not effective, uh, you know, given given the uh, off shoulder injury. And it probably would have been a great time to sit. And I don't I, I don't know who was forcing that issue. But if he had sat out the year, I think it would have been very hard for the Browns to get rid of him, even after a few games when, you know, the stats weren't particularly compelling one way or the other, and he'd been playing hurt for a few games, then he has to miss the rest of the season. I think, you know, the, 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 the question would have been out there is Baker, the guy that still would have been there, but he would, I don't think he would have taken the damage. And, and I got another point to make about the Sean Watson, but what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, we don't necessarily know who was pushing the issue on, whether or not Mayfield should play, be it him or the franchise or the coaching, you know, we're uncertain on that. But he definitely, I think, would have had more improved value had he sat out the last few games. Instead of playing hurt where we knew he was hurt, he was clearly dealing with things and it, it made the games challenging for him and he put up less than stellar stats. And I feel like that tanked his value, just like you said. Right. And, and I, with the Watson thing, there is a transference that occurs. Because if you'd rather have this guy who, you know, they they obviously done their due diligence on Deshaun Watson. They believe that he's probably going to going to not be not have a serious punishment imposed by the NFL over the allegations that were made. Uh, I, I don't know the current status of criminal charges, but in, in any case, it, it's I, I believe they may have all been dropped. Now we're out of civil charges. I'm I don't pretty know. Sure. Let me just yeah. say I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but but it, the, the the strange thing is not really about Watson in this case. It's it's about how um, that the taint from that is actually transferred to Mayfield because it's a if if A is less than B situation, then you must really dislike Baker Mayfield and who he is as a person and who he is as a football player that much more because of what's going on with Watson. Yeah, it's pretty ugly to be quite frank to see a player like Mayfield who, you know, has been through four offensive coordinators who's battled with on that roster from them being a terribly mismanaged franchise and having him as a as the number one pick, needing him to come in and, and win with these with these downtrodden rosters at times, all the way up to becoming a successful playoff winner for the Browns. Like I said, I can't mention that enough because it's a significant moment. I would argue over the last, you know, uh, uh, you know, 22nd century, 21st century, excuse me. (laughs) But it's wild to think that uh, somebody who wins a playoff game as quarterback for the Cleveland Browns is now being uh, downtrodden and being pointed to, like you said, Hey, if they would rather have Deshaun Watson in all of the conflict that brings that is brought on with him than you, why should we even take a, a, a risk on you? And it's pretty unfortunate for Mayfield. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Now let's let's go back to the position we're really talking about today, which is which is you know Marquise Brown. Uh, they kept the trade quiet, but look at all the other wide receivers this offseason and and kind of tell us the evolution you see as as these unhappy players work through, you know, to try and get traded themselves. What what actions do they often take? I mean, the actions are at least over the last couple of years have been social media related where you're scrubbing your Twitter, you're scrubbing your Instagram, your your profile pic no longer has you in a uniform of the team that you're currently signed with. Uh, you get black screens instead. Uh, we saw it was Darius Smith when he was expected to be cut by the Green Bay Packers, which eventually came to pass. We saw it occur with all these wide receivers over the last offseason from Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel now is the big story regarding this issue. And uh, even Marquise Brown at some point was uh, deleting his profile picture on uh, on his Twitter account and no longer was necessarily representing Ravens uh, images on his social media. Okay, now I want to say we're recording this on the 29th. Uh, of April. This is at uh, 1.30 in the afternoon, and it's before day two of the draft. But you notice something. We're not going to put this out until after the draft is done for the intense, the express reason of trying to respect the Ravens' informational advantage. But you notice something on the Twitter of Patrick Queen. Indeed so. Um, after day one of the uh, 2022 NFL draft uh, linebacker Patrick Queen did delete that he was a Ravens linebacker from his Twitter profile. I believe his photo still has him in a Ravens jersey, and it's become this conflict of is this stuff newsworthy as a journalist for myself over the last year or so? And we've seen that increasingly these are important changes for these players or for the organizations as. When players start scrubbing their social media uh, of, of any contents connecting them to a team, it feels like there could be a move made or if they're disgruntled about it. And, uh, you know, it's something that he changed at 1.04 a.m. because now it's worthwhile for journalists to have a tracker on, on social media accounts. <laughs> it's certainly something bizarre in my life. So this is this is this is the kind of thing that is is information I didn't know existed. You know, in terms of you could you could have a tracker that you could actually know the exact time he made a change to his profile. Yeah, it feels and, like I said bizarre. Um, just having that on, and I I have that I've had it on for months because uh, I started noticing earlier this off season that those things were becoming more important, and I was like, well. I guess I'll try this thing out. And most of the time it's like, oh, the NFL account changed it to like a new highlight or a new advertisement. And I was like, okay, that's fine. But, you know, when you see a player's name start to pop up, you you know, it's become more commonplace that it's important or it's something significant. And I accepted that even me as a millennial, like technology is only further advancing and this is becoming more the norm and I have to get accustomed to it. <laughs> Oh, you think you're behind the curve? In terms of technology. <laughs> it's starting to get that way. It's getting scary out yeah. here. <laughs> That's a, that is a uh, that is a, a weird kind of proposition. Anyway, uh, uh, so Patrick Queen has got a new situation here in Baltimore. 
He's got Zach Orr in at the linebackers coach. It did not work clearly at, in in camp. And you and I spent a lot of time together at camp. We did the notes together. We you know we were we made contact pretty much every day uh, to look at this. But one of the things I keep pointing out is during that special teams period, the twenty minute period at the beginning of practice. There, Patrick Queen is the only Ravens inside linebacker who did not play special teams. And so he, he had 20 minutes to work with Ryan specifically on whatever they would like to work on. And at first, it seemed like Ryan was doing things with him. And he's, you know, we had this one comical day where he's kind of moving around a towel and pretending to be various positions. And he, you know, his own movement is, is almost you know, funny to watch in a certain sense when it's particularly when it's in contrast to Patrick Queen and, uh, you know, who he is as an athlete. But but uh, but it, it seemed like there was good learning going on initially. Yeah, I agree. We I was intrigued with the prospect that he wasn't on special teams. I thought that was a little bit peculiar. That was something you and I mentioned. But we saw it as a possibility to add value to him at his position where he will be taking the overwhelming majority of his career snaps, which is linebacker. And if you can just put 20 extra minutes a day into focusing on honing that craft and being the first round middle linebacker pick for the Ravens, you know, why not go ahead and put that effort in? And, uh, you know, it, it appeared to be adding value. That's what, I, that's what we originally saw from those uh, right. but, extra snaps and stuff in time. Yeah. Then, then I would say, though, fairly, that it kind of devolved as the – it's just – it's not even that long. The initial camp period is, what, 14, 16 days? It's, it's not that long that, that uh, you know, the, the media has full access to the entire practice. Yeah, it's, so I, think it's, I think it's two to three weeks, um, about 21 days, I think it would be. I might be on the high side there, though. Yeah. I, I, I think you, I think you might be just slightly high, but that's okay. You understand whether it's two weeks, three weeks, doesn't matter. But during that period, there was definitely a change. And by the end, there's kind of a tackling donut. The inside linebackers use other positions use it too, but the inside linebackers tend to use it more where they roll this donut and it's an opportunity to wrap up around a kind of a ball carrier to, to make a tackle. And, Patrick Queen, for a lot of the latter part of camp uh, with media availability, was kind of leaning on that that um, uh, tackling donut for part of practice. You know, he just he wasn't working directly with Ryan. I, I I can only take that to mean that their relationship didn't really work out the way the Ravens would have hoped in terms of uh, you know mentor mentee. That's definitely a possibility. Um, I don't remember too frequently how much it had devolved into uh, going from those extra drills to being kind of uh, tackling timeout, so somewhat drill. But it definitely did get more lax as training camp wore on. I'm not going to disagree with you there. Um, I just don't have the specific recollection. Um, but it definitely something appeared to be uh, off with the relationship between the two. You heard from Patrick Queen about his excitement regarding the addition of Mike McDonald during the off-season press conference they had before uh, the off-season workout program. He sounded like he's more believed in, uh, I believe is something to the effect of what he said. And he sounds more excited about the prospect of the new defensive coordinator coming in, Mike McDonald, over Don Wink Martindale, who was uh, mutually agreed to part ways with the Ravens following this season, last season. Right. 
right? A shame, uh, you know, a lot of ways a shame from from my point of view about Martindale having to go. But, uh, you know, McDonald is a good young, a good young guy. Uh, Queen and other players will probably relate to him better. Uh, what have you heard about him and Zach Orr? Um, I have not heard too much. Uh, we only got to speak to the players that uh, were attending the offseason uh, workouts, the optional offseason workout program that included Josh Bynes and Patrick Queen. And they both talked about how they're working with Zach Orr and it's pretty exciting to have him here and have him return to the Ravens and be a linebackers coach and him being an all pro linebacker at one point and getting direction from him. And, and it, it was mostly talk of them gelling. It had only been three days in the off-season program, so we don't know too much about it. And these players have really strict guidelines regarding when they can come to training, well, when they can come to the facilities, work with the coaches, yeah. and not work with them because uh, NFLPA guidelines, something, you know, the CBA has strict uh, rulings regarding overworking these players and bringing them in during the off-season and stuff. So... Uh, I assume the coaching staff between Orr and Mike McDonald's going well, but I don't have anything other than speculation regarding how that's been going about. But you can assume it's going well. Yeah, and I, I, I think I would in terms of, you know, the, the reliability. If you just look at, at, you know, honestly, who Rob Ryan is, he's been bounced around the NFL a lot, um, hasn't picked up a ton of reputation points at every stop. You know, the, 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 the way it is, you know, it is, it is, it is we used to say this, uh, there was one person, I will just say with a very, very loud voice at work. And we used to say they had a low stealth rating. <laughs> so, so, but this is, uh, we all play too many video games, I guess. But anyway, um, the, uh, uh, I forgot where I was now. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, it does kind of make sense that younger players generally relate to, relate to younger coaches better. And I, there are people who could coach at any age. I mean, Dallas Sanders is probably a guy who relates well to offensive linemen, regardless of age, just because of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there's other, there's, there's other players where I don't think that necessarily exists or other coaches where I don't think that necessarily exists in the same spades. But anyway, uh, Patrick Queen uh, coming into his third year, huge year for Queen this year, because uh, he will, the Ravens will have to decide at the end of it, whether or not they pick up his fifth year option. Yeah. They're a year out from, uh, the May two deadline, uh, that comes every year post draft as to whether or not they want to exercise that fifth year option on queen. And right now, I think everybody kind of gets the feeling that they aren't going to be picking that up unless he yeah. takes that strong leap. And I think that's part of uh, the excitement of having Mike McDonald here. He was the linebackers coach for the Ravens. They brought in Zach Orr, who is now the linebackers coach for the Ravens, was a former All-Pro with them. They are trying to supply him with the coaching talent for him to succeed and hope that a scheme can be built with him in mind to improve his play heading into this season. Now, the draft actually may have provided Queen with another reason to be kind of unhappy about what his prospects for the season are. And I'll map this out for folks. Um, Kyle Hamilton is going to play a lot of snaps, I will say, for the 2022 Ravens. Marcus Williams is basically going to play every snap at free safety. I I don't think he comes off the field. Uh, Chuck Clark, um, there is some question about exactly what he'll do. I think actually Chuck Clark is likely to have the green dot this year still to play every snap still and for them to use him 
in uh, a variety of ways. They'll start him by playing strong safety on early downs, I would guess. Uh, he will keep the green dot. They may play a lot of big nickel, particularly when other teams play play uh, 12 personnel. I mean, they have two tight ends on the field. Big nickel is, is three safeties where basically slot or, or Hamilton or Clark moves to cover a slot tight end. There's lots of reasons why it could be either, by the way. On, on third down, what I'm really expecting to see is that Hamilton takes the back end and Clark moves up front to play his very familiar dime spot where he was outstanding in 2019. So the history of Ravens dimebacks is, is long and, and, and very strong. And in 2000, Corey Harris had the greatest year ever by a, by a Ravens dimeback. In 2004, Chad Williams nearly matched that year, but had a great year. I've had other good names in the past. I'm not going to go through all of them. I'll do that on another pod. Um, in 2018, Anthony Levine surpassed them both with the greatest year ever by a Ravens dime back. And then in 2019, what Chuck Clark did was still greater. And the Ravens played, in fact, over 40% dime that season. So so that was a, a really special year in terms of the dime for him. He played, he played, by the way, both back and front end. But his year as the dime is what really separated him. I think Clark goes, is naturally will we'll move back to playing the dime on obvious passing downs, which means second and nine, second and ten, end of half, all most third downs that are you know four or more. Say, uh, I think he's he's in that dime back role, which basically means the will linebacker leaves the field on those plays, and and uh, that means the queen is is kind of out of a job on passing downs from the activity of last night. Uh, it's, I, I thought it was going to happen anyway, but because I, I, I'm for getting all inside linebackers off the field on third down, but, but I'm more convinced of it after last night's draft. Yeah. I think they are, want to be able to cover and defend the pass and they're supplying, uh, their defensive back group with as much talent to get after these wide receivers and tight ends in the AFC North and beyond in what is a jam packed conference of the AFC as a whole. And the best way to do it is either to get after the quarterback or to have the top tier upper echelon talent that is capable of covering them. And Chuck Clark is a talented a dime backer. Like you said, he had one of the best seasons or the best season as a Ravens dime backer in history. And Unfortunately, that is a numbers game where Patrick Queen could be the weak one out because he plays Will linebacker, weak side linebacker. And if he's not going to be able to stick strongly at middle linebacker, he's not going to be able to see the amount of snaps that he's hoping for that the Ravens maybe were hoping for from him previously as they now have the quote-unquote unicorn safety of Kyle Hamilton. They signed Marcus Williams to that lucrative contract, and they also already have Chuck Clark under contract, and they really like what he's demonstrated for them. Yeah, absolutely. And Clark is cheap for two more years, and mm -hmm. if I were queen, I'd be looking at this and saying, um, they're not giving me an opportunity to be a three-down linebacker. And at 1.04 a.m., I might go ahead and make a ill-advised Twitter change. Yeah, and unfortunately, somebody might have a tracker on that, <laughs> sees that, and that looks okay. terrible. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Kyle, I uh, appreciate you doing with this at us, and we, we want to respect the information here. And, uh, and I, I also want to say I completely respect your journalistic integrity in just reporting this without any particular flavor or whatever. And the flavor that we're adding on this show, we're going to wait to release. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's something that, you know, I, I struggle with tweeting out and I said it happened 
you know, like I said, around 104 a.m. I noticed it probably an hour or two ago when I was checking my emails. I get a daily update on them and I was staring at it and I was like, do I really want to mention this? And and then in the wake of uh, Marquis Brown's release uh, on the I Am Athlete podcast, him talking about uh, why he wanted this trade, I was like, I'll write this and then I'll and then I'll come back to it, maybe. And then when you see when when it harps on you this long, it feels like you got to make some sort of announcement. And I try to do it professionally and also with with my own personal taste of, you know, I added sigh here. Yeah. Don't want to alarm anybody, but this was a change that's been made. And in the spirit of this offseason and what we're seeing with players and social media today, uh, this does qualify as possible news. And I'm also happy that you noted the fact that, hey, we're not going to release this until after the draft, because if this is an information thing, then this is something that, you know, might harm the advantage that the Ravens uh, enjoy uh, on not having players, uh, you know, on not having information leak. And so I'm, I'm happy to do this and I'm happy to talk about it. And I'm also okay with it being released at a respectable time and not being this always have to be first kind of mantra that uh, journalists can have strapped to them sometimes. All right, Kyle, really appreciate you coming on. Really look forward again to camp and, and doing the notes with you on a daily basis. If you're up for that again, that was a lot of fun last year and it's definitely something I want to continue with. Absolutely. I thoroughly enjoyed it, Ken. All right. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a on a film study uh, pod, just hit me a, with a DM on Twitter. Would love to have you for a film study short. Uh, after the draft is great. We have lots of time to talk about all sorts of topics, franchise building, what you saw from the draft, different things about valuations, your new analytics study, whatever it might be. Hit me up. I'd love to talk to you about it. Kyle, I forgot to ask you, what's what do you have uh, working on right now? Where can people find you and talk football with you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely check out baltimorebeatdown.com. I have published 12 articles as of February, as of one day ago at the start of the NFL draft. Uh, we're definitely going to have more coming in day two and day three. Uh, and we'll have all the recap coverage and roster implications of things going on within this draft for the Ravens and beyond. I also do contribute for baltimoreravens.com. You'll be able to see my work weekly on Mondays. It's the late for work article every Monday. All right. Outstanding. Kyle, thanks again for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.